0: event and just trying to keep up with it
1: <laughs> oh same thing I can, I can relate
0: yeah yeah so uh so to start with how did the
1: entire thing uh, you know uh began from from a point of you know uh figuring it out that you know uh, cyber security is the place that you want to be and then you know starting out your own gig and then uh coming up with a youtube uh channel and then you know uh inc- doing incredibly well there on that space uh, i think you you actually you know should be proud of you know uh, producing one of the best cybersecurity content on youtube so that's one one uh, you know uh, amazing thing that you have been involved with so you know just just give me a uh, gist of
0: that sure thing well hey thank you so much um i guess i uh, got started probably in the whole technology computer sphere uh when i was a lot younger um i think eight or nine i was thinking hey i i I want to make video games or I want to be a hacker. Like I see in the movies or, or something, I don't know, that looks very cool because computers are interesting and they look like they're fun. And I like that. You can do so much creative stuff. Uh, so I would asked my, my father, I asked my dad, like, Hey, I want to have a, a website. Um, how can I put together a, how do, to, what do I need to learn how to, how to make a website? So he taught me HTML and CSS and like, Oh, the beginnings of JavaScript and stuff like that. Um, and then he said, well, if you want to, start a website you need to have a server you need to be able to host it on something so he got me this machine uh just a hey a box that's running like turbo linux old school distribution he said all right well let's learn how to use apache and nginx and let's create all this um so for that longest time it was in the building mentality of like hey let's write software let's create stuff um it wasn't until i got into my undergrad or well i went to school uh in college that I don't know. I went, I went to uh, one of the military academies here in the United States, one, the Coast Guard Academy, and they care much more about the security of applications that you create, right? Hey, it's it's cool that you made this thing, but is it, is it battle tested? Is it safe? Is it sturdy? Can it be beaten up? Uh, So that introduced me to vulnerabilities and exploits and CVEs and that whole wide world of, of cybersecurity. And I thought, okay this is really interesting you know this is kind of fulfilling where you have sort of a good versus evil mentality and you know defending against adversaries (laughs) uh so it just felt like man this is this is fascinating and i'm i'm happy to be a part of it oh good deal okay uh so uh yeah from so how how did the youtube
1: thing happen then
0: oh so when when did you decide that (laughs) yeah um it's it's funny because the way that I was learning way back when in the beginning was I was Googling and I was looking online and watching videos on YouTube of how to code, how to program, how to, I don't know, do work through tutorials. And I think right. hey, that, that might be how a lot of people learn. And I thought, well, if if I want to learn more myself, I think I've heard people say hey, the best way to become a master of something or to get better at it is to try to teach it to others. So I thought, well... Uh, I, I can I can make some silly videos and showcase hey what I'm learning. Um, so for the longest time, if you look back, you can even find videos from like 2009 or 2011, like a decade ago on my channel. <laughs> um, but it's slow growth um i never expected it to i don't know kind of become what it is today um but it's very fulfilling and super sweet to see it has grown and blossomed and turned into something of its own <laughs> okay yeah. uh so, so now uh you know uh something around the fact that you know i think uh, you
1: probably have been part of several Pro programs you, you were you know uh, uh involved in that. so what uh, any any nice experience that you can share probably uh, from the time, you know, when you migrated or you were just discovering and then, you know, uh, how did, how, how did uh, events, uh, you know, bug bounty events kind of helped you, you know, <laughs> oh, <totally. laughs> way around.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll be the first to admit, I'm not um, a, a huge in the bug bounty scene personally. Uh, I do get together with a whole lot of incredible folks. Uh, I know NamSek or Ben Sadegapur, uh, Insider PhD, katie and fear stoke of course and and so many others that uh are interested in and in, in more in that and plugged in than i am uh but whenever i hear from them and whenever i get to see them in action for some live events it's always just the determination and like hey some some really passion uh curiosity all the things that sort of keep having them pick and poke at something until they find a flaw or find a vulnerability and then it's just exciting it's like oh okay, I, I know there's something here. If I keep pulling at it, if I keep trying to see what I could dig up um, and you get a little bit of adrenaline rush where you're trying the next payload or you're looking at the next, I don't know, idea and creative thing to test and to try. And then, oh, you, you see something in the result or the response is off. And that just leads you down a great rabbit hole to see how much more damage could be done when you found a bug. Uh, so I think that's totally what drives it forward. It's just the curiosity and the passion. do. <laughs> okay, uh so
1: I remember working with one of my you know former colleagues and one of the things that I think he 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 uh he really got really excited whenever a company was attacked <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's a very hackless thing yeah. for me yeah uh so i I remember so uh I remember he him pointing out you know several times uh you know when when there are uh you know, open buckets that that you know the companies are still not aware of that, you know it's it's uh it, it has been compromised. How often do you find that? And then, you know, uh, how often do you probably find vulnerabilities or how often do you find massive probes of data in the dark web and then, you know, the, the uh, owner company, the parent company has zero idea about it.
0: Yeah, I think it happens often is probably the, the safest and shortest way to to address that. Um if if anyone were to kind of just hey spray out and look and try to, I don't know, cast a wide net on the open internet, see what, what IP addresses have what accessible on what ports, like sure, you could do Shodan or you can just kind of surf around, uh, but you could just see like data hanging out like hey some weird random temporary http server i don't know that someone spun up in python and it's hosting some things you could pull down to grab there's some weird ethical moral conversations in there uh especially hey if you pivot over to to the dark website right i know you mentioned cool. uh okay yeah there are organizations and companies that just might have data publicly shared um and again, as you mentioned, hey, some organizations could be none the wiser. They might not even know. They, they have no clue that it's out there. Uh, so I think, hey, it's a matter of keeping your ear to the ground and hopefully having enough well-intended and good people, hey, security researchers, go to and track that down and find it so they can raise awareness and bring education. So I, that's, that's why I, I think it's interesting and kind of fun. Like, hey, let's see what's out there.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. it. Okay.
0: Uh, well, now I think we can, uh, uh,
1: something around, uh, that there's a lot of activity by lapses
0: oh, from yeah.
1: over to GTA 6. Uh, yeah. So, uh, do you think lapses has evolved from the time where, it was? And then, you know, how, how much have been, uh, how much do you think this particular game has been evolving over, over a period of time from the time that you probably
0: noticed? Yeah. Uh, that's a super interesting um, one. Um, Cause so I, I know Okta, excuse me. I I know lapsus probably from the most prevalent and and prominent one that I know in my mind was Okta when Okta had their breacher, there were some communications and chatter there. Um, And I think lapsus had sort of like, Hey, put the stake in the ground. and was like, Hey, yeah, that was us. We did that. And, you know, trying to kind of chest thumpy and saying like, this is, I don't know, uh, or forced to reckon with. Um, when Uber and now GTA at Grand Theft Auto have rolled around, I don't know. I, I I could be completely wrong. I don't know the rest of the story, and so I might be misinterpreting or just unknown to something. But I think there, Uber has said, okay, we believe this is lapsus, but I don't know if lapsus has gone out and said, yes, this was us and sort of a right. hey, strong will. Uh, I think there's an interesting thing where a whole lot of threat actor groups or cyber criminal adversaries or whatever like to be the braggadocio kind of stroke their own ego and say and flaunt and say yeah we did that uh as a weird proud thing i don't i, I could be completely wrong i might have missed it from lapsus but it's weird to maybe that's changed maybe they didn't want to do that this time around i i don't quite know um but it, obviously hey when we have a new group or we have something new pop up uh it tends to stick around or just rebrand something else if it gets a little bit too much attention. So maybe that's the evolution that we're seeing in the growth is that we still keep seeing them on the horizon. Uh, in
1: terms of uh, their method of attack, do you think that has changed? Can you mention that one again? Sorry. In, in terms of the, the way they attack, the, the way they targeted companies before, and then how do they do it now? Oh. Do you think
0: that has changed? Sort of, weirdly, not really. uh, I think what we're hearing, right, from what would have been the Uber uh, incident was, hey, two-factor authentication sure was a thing. It was enabled. It was absolutely part of the issue. And because we keep screaming and shouting about that, you know, a whole lot of defenders and security researchers and good practitioners say, use multi-factor everywhere, as you should. Um, But... (laughs) when it was sort of weirdly abused in this uber case hey we just kept right. sending a push notification over and over and over and over again until it annoyed the victim so much that he agreed to it it sounds like now people and i think we see the industry starting to say hey don't use push notifications use something like a hardware key or a yubikey key or, or windows hello or some other metric form that isn't going to be sending a blasted notification uh However, even the use of that differs from what we used to see in the past, uh, in a way, because it just adds an extra layer of complexity. I think a lot of folks know, okay, this was due to some stolen credentials, and that's how it always starts. It's always some compromised passwords, some username and login info, um, and that's a fascinating thing to me. Uh, I don't think that has changed, but some pieces of the attack chain certainly have. (laughs)
1: Right,
0: right. Okay, now that you did
1: touch upon, you know how, how how even now it is it is mostly you know a compromised account, um, somebody somebody stolen password hmm. is probably it has probably been the reason why you know there have there have been attacks every, every every day, probably. Uh in that in that front, do you think you know there is still not enough? What what's your take on that? You know, our company still not really prepared to uh you know to handle something like that even though there has been so much of conversation about it is uh, why is still so much lack of awareness of employees
0: yeah i don't i think there is a whole lot of differing opinions on you know hey security and education and how to go about it especially with something as simple as passwords like that still seems to be the conversation that we have to have which is weird mm. and annoying um I personally, and this is totally just a John opinion, I use a, a digital password manager. I, I generate, hey, some super random, extremely obscure, hey, 128 character length random string of letters and numbers and punctuation, okay. And I have the password manager handle that for me. It's probably overkill. It's probably way too annoying to use that many characters, but I I don't need to know them. I don't need to know the password because hey, okay, whenever I it, it's it's autofilled, et cetera. Uh, and I think I would, I advocate and scream and shout and tell people to use a password manager because I don't know my passwords. Like You could hold me for ransom or hold me a gunpoint. I would not be able to tell you. I just don't know. Um, I know there's one method that I think is really, really worthwhile. And I kind of want to see if I could get myself to continue doing this or if I can encourage others to that passwordless mentality, which I think oftentimes is a buzzword, but if you or interacting with an account or with the service or some online application, reset your password every single time that you try to log in and never store the new extremely long random password that you choose because you could just reset it the next time. So it's, there's okay. no record of it anywhere. It's just sort of, Hey, some random thing that you keep refreshing or retokenizing. Uh, maybe we could. Okay. There's
1: keep... a lot of, you know, espionage activities oh. that we have been uh, seeing over the past hmm. couple of years. And then I think it has not, it, it, it is not you know, decreasing. Ever since, ever since the uh, you know the invasion of Ukraine began, things have just gone. Uh, it has just piled up the back. Uh, so, what what is your take on you know the entire uh, uh, you know the, the entire way the current scenario is? There is technically a global cyber warfare going on as we speak, and it's not really you know, but, uh, you know there's there's no direction that it is going to stop anytime soon.
0: Yeah, I can dance with that for a little bit. It is maybe a little bit doom and gloomish, right? Um, and I don't mean to, hey, be, be on that fear, uncertainty, and doubt train. But uh, you're uh, you're right. Like, undoubtedly, uh, there was a case that I uh, was flattered to be working with and kind of in the trenches on some time ago. Um, we it was some APT activity, like oh, advanced persistent threat, which is weird and wild to say, um, but it was hey using the the baby shark malware strain and you can find some articles and blogs if anyone is interested in this um but it was a a partner or an organization that we were trying to help um, and do some incident response and, and analysis for because when we got to come into the environment when they were just hey trialing what we do we found this activity there was hey some weird key loggers installed auto runs and persistent hooks that could tell that there is an active command and control kind of listening and beaconing here and there to just pull and query information. And that totally was information espionage. Like they were just exfiltrating and pulling data and trying to leak some sensitive stuff over a year. Like we'd seen the malicious activity in the environment for more than a year. And this oh. organization was supposed to be, some high-level, like, hey, power, national security place that handles important and, and politically powerful things. So we thought, well, right. wow, this is a, a little spicy, <laughs> targeting individuals and trying to get some real, you know, warfare-like right. info. Uh, and I think that is common in all reality. That That's part of the battlefield of hey trying to gain new information being one step ahead of your adversaries when it enters that digital era when it enters a whole lot of computers and cybersecurity space look in the corners and crevices like you need to be keeping an eye out looking behind your shoulder looking behind your back like hey where could things be hiding if you are in a place in a person position of stature where you know you could very well be a target um, the way that we track them down is by hunting. Hey, where are those auto runs? Where are those persistent hooks and implants and beacons? Uh, I don't know. I guess that's probably the best I could offer there. Uh, it's not going to go away, but you need to know when you're a target and how to act accordingly. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, okay. Uh,
1: so, you know, uh, any any recent you know uh, activity that you probably uh you know discovered or you know you probably came came across because i think one of the things that is making a lot of rounds of late is uh quantum ransomware i i don't understand
0: what that is (laughs) yeah so so yeah yeah, i think i think uh, do you know anything about it so i i and i have to be totally transparent because i know quantum ransomware i've seen their tor hidden service whatever dark web onion site um And I know Quantum Builder where Quantum puts together, hey, uh, payloads or LNK files, like Windows window shortcuts that can be used and abused to create like an exploit or to craft some toolkit, even with something as simple and as small as just a file, like a URL or LNK shortcut redirector. I don't know if those are related and I I could be completely wrong or just not thinking of it, but Quantum Builder versus Quantum Ransomware. I think there's been certainly a whole lot of rise in conversations talking about the builder. Uh, it sounds so weird to say, but hey, Quantum Ransomware, you're just like, eh, it's its its another ransomware gang. You know, it's one of many, okay? Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, some of the other stuff, if we're tracking, hey, current and news and events going on, um, I don't know if some folks are, were keeping up with the story of the, the lock bit ransomware builder yes I, um, I did see your tweet on that yeah i had a lot of fun yeah. kind of exploring that one in, in a bit um if folks aren't aware hey lockbit is one of the other ransomware gangs and their 3.0 version or called lockbit black they wanted to call uh was leaked or the builder the tooling and the chain and the software that would create the encryptor and then create the decryptor and handle the private keys and public keys and basically give anyone who, who found this and got access to this builder the keys to the car you know they could go and start their own ransomware gang if they really wanted to because they could customize and they could play with what this tooling would give them so that got a little bit of uh noise and hubble up in the in the news and media because some folks are wanting to ask and understand like well what does this mean or is this just an oops or a blemish for Lockbit? Uh, wh- what about other ransomware gangs and what about other threat actor groups, et cetera? Um, so some interesting conversations to have from there, but I, I don't know, I, some things that we, again, keep our ears to the ground and keep learning about as it comes out. Right, right okay uh and i think i think lastly uh,
1: what are the what are the new trends that that you are foreseeing you know what what are the new threat vectors that you think might be a lot more significant in the couple of in the in, in the rest in, for the rest of the year
0: Ooh, <laughs> such a oh man, you're gonna hate me. It's it's such a boring and bad answer, but in my mind it's it's the truth. Uh it's funny because whenever folks come and ask, like, hey, what are your predictions for the next year, for the next five years? It's it, I know it's not what you're looking for, but like we're good just gonna see. The same stuff. <laughs> we're gonna see. We're gonna see ransomware uh, continue to do its thing. Uh, we're gonna see cryptocurrency miners. We're gonna see botnets. We're gonna see DDoS. Blah 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 blah. Uh, uh, I think yes, we'll see some changes. Oh, there'll be new tri- techniques and new tricks to target cloud and all those other buzzwords that we throw around left and right. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still gonna be hey cybercrime taking advantages of of human weaknesses finding credentials out on the dark web or deceiving and fooling people by giving them way too much spam and notifications Uh, all those things are just going to keep happening Uh, i don't know if we're on some sort of treadmill i don't know if like man this is going to keep cycling over and over again are we stuck in the vicious cycle but i think the best way that we can combat it and mitigate it the best we can is continued education and awareness and just showing people and telling people about what we do and how we do it and how as a whole we can improve so right i love the answer i love i love that part (laughs) when you said it's
1: usually the last question that i usually throw around (laughs) what are your predictions okay now (laughs) that's usually the last question that i ask (laughs) what are your predictions for for the future uh, but uh, do you act? Do you also probably you know foresee some activities uh, you know, around uh, how the advancement in AI is happening? Oh.
0: Do you think that might be one more added problem? Artificial intelligence, you were saying, AI, is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know again. Uh, I haven't drank the Kool Aid just yet, and that's totally again just a John answer that that's personally, I think there are great innovations and super cool creative new things that are coming out from that whole scene and that culture and and artificial intelligence. Um, When I see a whole lot of things like online tooling, uh, oh, you see silly websites like thispersondoesnotexist.com or even stuff that can make a viral thread generator or craft, I don't know, some whole person's text and bio like GPT. and uh, Well, you've got the Dali AI generator now. Yeah, I think all those things can again potentially fool a victim or someone that's being targeted Um, that's something that I tried to write about a little bit it was like hey you want to look out for those sock puppet accounts or people just trying to fake their online presence to gain information and get out of their activity I think that will continue undoubtedly Um, and it's something that we just sort of kind of need to be aware of and cognizant of like oh the deep fake stuff and when it comes to the other side of the coin, okay, not only using artificial intelligence for evil <laughs> or for bad, right? We for do ill do intent, yeah. uh, but, but also for good, how can we use, how can we use that technology to protect and defend? Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I still think, Hey, if we're building it into like an EDR solution or for antivirus tech, et cetera, uh, ultimately I still think, Hey, it makes some mistakes. Uh, And we've seen that even in, oh, the, the, this person does not exist.com. You can find weird warps and different things. where it just, oops, it it makes a mistake. Um, It still takes a human. It still takes our own eyeballs to sort of, Oh, veto that and correct that and say, no, I I can tell that's wrong. Uh, That extra context is something that I think, I don't know. We still still needs to be part of the equation, Uh, keeping us people and human beings Part of the fight is is still necessary. I think artificial intelligence and a lot of that automation can supplement and augment what we do, but it's not going to replace it.
1: Got it. <laughs> Nicely <laughs> said. All right. I think uh, I think probably my time is up. Uh, ben, genuinely, really nice talking to you. Thank you. Uh, we'll will probably uh, you know catch up soon on uh, another interview on another on another topic. And Then until then, all the best with your uh, with your with all of your activities, with all of your research, and uh, you know
0: just keep keep creating an incredibly awesome content on cybersecurity. <laughs> we'll try to. Thank you so much. Uh, this has been a real treat, and um, yeah, we'll keep in touch for next time.